Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the witching hour. Yep, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I've got some great guests for you today. Indeed, I'm so excited to meet them myself. I have the celebrity occultists and seance experts, the Eckharts. Yeah, they're a married couple. They are fabulous. And I can't wait to talk to them. But before we do, where's Patty? And again, this is tough right now for a few weeks, but where I am right this second is home. If you were listening to this on the week we first drop, which is the week of November 14th, 2022, I just got back from, well, I can't tell you, but someplace really cold. And in a couple months when it comes out, I can't wait to tell you because you'll be able to watch it and see all sorts of fun and spooky and magical and very paranormal things with some great folks and some great friends, new and old. But I can't tell you where that was, but it was freezing. I'm going to post some pictures and not tell you what I was doing, but know that it was 12 degrees and the high was 35 degrees and I get cold under 70 degrees, so I'm still a popsicle, which is why I'm wearing sweats and gloves and 14 pairs of pants right now. But I am home in sunny California, so this week, Tuesday, I am actually teaching a class at my school at University Magicus. I'm teaching a class on spirit guides. Um, people ask a lot. People get confused. They, they have one. They have several kinds. So we're going to give you uh, a class on spirit guides. If you're interested, go to universitymagicus.com. I'm actually um, not doing anything Sunday for a while. That will all come back at in the beginning of the year with a lot more classes. But we do have some other great teachers teaching all sorts of wonderful things and different belief systems and magical stuff. So do check out University Magicus. Um, and other than that, now is the time to book for the first week in December. I'm going to be in Dallas at two different places. So if you're anywhere or can be near the greater Dallas area on December 2 through 4, I'm going to be at my favorite metaphysical store, Miracles of Joy. It's in Louisville, which is a little suburb of Dallas. Um, her name is Joy. She's amazing. I'm going to be teaching all sorts of witchy workshops, doing seances, private sessions. So go to Miracles of Joy website. I will be posting it heavy this week. Um, you could do just a private session. You could just do one workshop. You could do the whole intensive weekend, which is really fun and really, really affordable. And if you don't want to do that whole weekend or if you want to do both, on Monday the 5th, there's a brand new metaphysical center on the other side of Dallas. It's really hard and I don't know how to say it. And it's like, it's, it's Trisha Seymour. And I will be posting that Um Oh my gosh, I had this pulled up. It's really confusing, but um, I will be posting it. So if you are near Dallas, Miracles of Joy throughout the weekend, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and on Monday, I'm going to be doing private sessions and a seance on the other side of Dallas. It's this beautiful new spiritual center by Trisha Seymour. You could probably look it up. Um, she herself is pretty amazing. She makes some amazing oils and stones and bracelets and it's a brand new, beautiful center. So I can't pronounce it and I don't know how to spell it, but maybe the magic it'll show up here. If I give this to my producer, ha! Uh, but basically that's it. That's where Patty is. And then we go into holidays. So there's Patty.
Okay, it's me again. Guess what time it is? <laughs> it's time for the Willow Report, of which she will look anywhere but at camera. But there is her, ah, oh, there we are, obligatory yawn. And this Willow Report is about how I have missed this puppy. I was pretty much on three back-to-back -back trips, just home for a minute in between. Um, so again, she's needed some extra care. Plus, it's been rainy in L.A. She's had less play dates. Um, thankfully, she's had Grace to keep her very, very entertained. And my husband, Carrie, has been really good. But they do need extra care when you get home. A lot of us travel during the holidays, and a lot of us can't always take our babies with us. So, oh, my gosh, when my husband came to pick me up, oh, big yawn. Um, she was in the car with him. It would think you would think I had been gone for three years. The excitement of this little thing and the excitement in me, and I held her so close all night. So I'm gonna get her. I'm gonna be here just for not even a week this time. But are we gonna get some extra love time? Are we gonna get some extra pet time? Or yeah, we are. We're gonna get some extra play dates. We're gonna get some extra treats. We're gonna get some extra long trips to the park because you gotta spoil them. You do, because they don't always understand that we're going away to work or even on vacation, and they don't understand why they can't go, so you just got to make up for them in between. And also, watch your packing. I've talked about this before on this last trip to this secret place that was really cold that I can't talk about as I was unpacking from Massachusetts. Um, I had everything laid out with lots of gloves. I had some bright uh, burgundy red mittens that I put in the in the suitcase. I walk away to go get something else. I come back. There's only one red burgundy mitten, isn't there? There was only one red burgundy mitten. And instead of the second mitten, there was a pink flamingo. Yep, a plushy pink flamingo, which really would not have kept my hands warm. I know, you're looking away. She said it was her, she did it. She's not gonna admit to it though. Willow, look at the camera, Willow. Anyway, so give them extra love and watch what they pack. They, I have tons of pictures of both of her and Grace in the suitcase while I'm trying to pack, which is funny, makes it very difficult, but it's funny. But the part is when you turn your head, what they do. You know, I really do need to take panties with me. Can't take them all out. You can't find them in the kitchen along with your red glove, can you? No. Anyway, that's it. I'm just going to hold her for the next few days. That's the Willow Report, and I get kisses. <laughs> okay, hi again. Okay, this week's magic lesson, we're going to talk about moods and shaking things off. Um, it's cra It's been crazy times, and we talk about that all the time between COVID and unrest and civil stuff and elections elections everybody's so passionate about everything um which is great to be passionate uh, but sometimes we get in cranky moods or we get upset about something we cannot control other people you guys so i'm going to give you a few little exercises how if, if you're in a place going i'm just not happy right now and i want to be happy guess what you can be happy you can choose to change your mood the first thing i'm going to tell you is we cannot change other people, no matter how hard we try, no matter how much we want to, no matter how much we think we're going to when we get into a relationship, whatever kind of relationships, we really can't change other people. You know, we could influence them different ways, but that's a different lesson. But we can't control what they say or what they do. 
But guess what, where we have 100% control? We have 100% control is on how we let them affect us. 100%, how we let them in and to affect us and to bother us or, or to change our mood to make it like that. So there's lots of ways to do that, but the number one is just knowing that we don't have to let them do that. And that we don't have to make everything personal too because they might be in their own cranky bad mood. So we tend to, as humans, make everything about ourselves. It's probably not you at all. Maybe they got in a fight with somebody else and they're taking it out on you. So again, we all make things personal. Most of the time it's not. And even if it is, we don't have to make it make it about us or make it mess up our day or minute or hour or anything else. I've talked about it before, my mirror protection, and that's a really good one. If you are out and about, whether you're in your office and it's like that one cranky person that sucks the life out of you in the office, um, or you're in the mall shopping for the holidays and it's everybody's crazy, create a beautiful mirrored bubble around you. I take a deep breath, snap it, and that nothing negative can get in. And I've talked about this on other shows and it bounces right off. It bounces right off whether they're purposely selling or not. Another way to do is keeping yourself in balance. I've also talked about my um, elemental 30 seconds. You can fix anything. And I'm going to go over that one more time because it's just so important and it literally can be a game changer. You know that I'm an elemental witch, air, fire, water, and earth, like the pagans that I am, like Native Americans, like almost any shamanic, air, fire, water, earth. If you put your body into that, your earth is who you are. That's your persona. Oh, she's Patty. She's whatever she is, earth. Your fire is what drives you, your passion, what gets your heart up in the morning. So in the north, it's who you are. And in the south, it's what drives you. Where we get off balance over and over again is like airplane going sideways as west and east. West is our water, it's our emotions. Most of our body is water, most of our planet, the emotions and the water just has to flow, not be stuffed up, judged, put in the corner, ah, overflowing, so water. And air element, the east, that's our thought pattern. So without going into detail, air, fire, water, earth, who we are, what drives us, our emotions and our thoughts, water and air. What do we need more than anything to survive? Water and air, water and air. What always upsets us, our emotions and our thoughts. So next time you're not as happy, maybe you did let that person in the mall get to you or your roommate or your coworker. Instead of just staying there in a bad mood or angsty, whether you even know what it is, just go, okay, which element is out of balance? Is it my emotions? I'm just angry or sad or scared or angsty. That's my water element. I need water. That's why you feel good after every shower, right? Flowing water is like an aspirin for a headache. So run your hands underwater 30 seconds. Set up that mind, body, spirit. With I'm going to release this angst, anger, fear, confusion. Within 30 seconds, it goes away. But maybe it's your head. Maybe you just can't think straight. The world's coming in at you. That's your air element. Number one, you're probably not breathing well. We don't breathe. We're always in a hurry. So take the time to breathe. And to do it in 30 seconds, add some sound. I do a lot of heka work, sound magic. Vowels will clear your head every time. Like, ah, amen, om. But 30 seconds of, I need to bring in the air element. I can't think. I'm foggy. I'm chatty. 30 seconds, whether you're talking to your brain or the element of air or God or gods, with this 30 seconds of deep breathing, with this 30 seconds of vowels, 
I want to pull in the air element, clarity, focus, direction. Ah, ohm. Within 30 seconds, the chatter stopped, the fog lifts. Between the two of those, emotions calming down with your hands running underwater and just releasing it. Okay, releasing the water, hands underwater. It's a game changer. If you're not feeling grounded, that happens too. Hug a tree. If you can't hug a tree, touch wood, touch anything wood or a stone or the crystal around your neck. That still has the power of the element. If you don't have the energy you need, or you've got too much and you're screaming at everybody, that's your fire element. Balance it out. Dance around a bonfire. But if you can't dance around a bonfire, because you just can't do that as often as you'd like to. If you can't, the sound or heka for that is Z. Z. That's the lightning strike. That's the, the dragon's breath. So again, either maybe you have a hot date and you're not feeling it, or you got to get up and you don't have the energy, or you want to talk to spirit. That's fire too. Um, or you have too much and you're just screaming at everybody and burning the place up. Thought process, mind, body, spirit, whether you're talking again to the Holy Spirit of Christianity or to the breath of a dragon or to your beating heart or this lightning strike with this 30 seconds of deep breathing, 30 seconds of Z. I need to pull in the fire element. Zzz. Yeah, you sound like an eight-year-old being a bee. Zzz. But within 30 seconds, the chatter, uh, the, the 30 seconds, you will have that energy that you need. You'll feel it in the base of your spine or in your heart. And you'll have the fire, energy, creativity, and you balance it back out. So, yeah, there's going to be cranky people. There's going to be angry people. There's going to be people taking things personally that aren't supposed to be. But if you could put up a nice little protection of you, a bubble of beautiful mirror reflecting, if you could keep yourself balanced with breath, air to calm you down, mm, flowing water to release emotions, grabbing onto some wood of any kind. That sounds funny. <laughs> um, to, to, to ground yourself or just to bring in that element of fire and balance it out. I promise it will be a game changer. And every once in a while, if you can't do any of those, just go. I have people do that after seances. They're so embarrassed. And the other thing to do to clears everything is laughter. Plain old laughter. Ha, ha, ha. Number one, <laughs> you sound ridiculous. And when you hear yourself sound ridiculous, even a fake laugh, then it becomes a real laugh. It switches everything. Negativity becomes positive. Anger becomes silliness. So when all else fails, laugh. Just laugh. It's some of the best magic I know. So that's it. We're going into season. Enjoy it all. And the tough parts, the scary parts, you really do have control over how it affects you. You're the boss. Magic is everywhere. You just have to balance it out sometimes. I have some of, well, my kind of magic on today. Let me introduce you to two people that I have followed for a very long time, never talked to until now, admired from afar. So let me tell you a little bit about Dan and Kat Eckhart. They're married occultists who specialize in hosting seances, teaching on occult topics, facilitating facilitating luxury magical retreats and exploring all corners of the paranormal. They're certified parapsychologists and have appeared on the front page for their astounding predictions of future events, as well as their investigations into haunted homes, often referred to as celebrity occultists. So let's meet them now. Dan and Kat Eckhart, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having Glad us. Glad to be here. So again, I... Not, I mean, a lot of people do seances, but not the way you guys do seances, and, and not how I do. So, how did you even get? 
start? I have so many questions. How did you even get started? Were you both doing them separately? Where Dan, were you doing and you came in? Or how did you get, my husband's a drummer. We have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, for us, it kind of, um, it was a, it was a process. It was a project like these, uh, you never really know sometimes where it seems life will take you. And for us, that was a long reconnection with things that we found very interesting in childhood. Uh, for me, I had a profound interest in the paranormal as a kid, uh, big Reader's Digest books about like mysteries of the 20th century. And I also came from a very religious family. So all of this stuff was very bad news and we weren't really supposed to engage with it. Um, however, as I began exploring that and Kat started to come with me, our first real like profound encounter with something other, something beyond this space was in a seance. And then when you have that experience, for me, it was just, oh, we have to figure out, we have to do this. We have to figure out how we can be the people or uh, provide these kinds of experiences for uh, others who are like us, who are like, there's something else out there, but I have no idea how to access it. That is beautiful. So you had already had the interest in the paranormal. Were you already mm -hmm. a cultist? Had you already gone kind of this path? Of we were definitely on the path. We were on the path. Um, but, you know, looking back now, um, honestly, we didn't really know fully what we were doing and what we were getting into, which is pretty much the story of our lives <laughs> and the way we do things. But Dan was just had this idea of, of maybe doing a seance in town and, you know, how interesting and fun would that be? And I was like, well, I can't let you do that alone. <laughs> um, and that really just started a cascade of our interests into occultism, magic, seances, and the paranormal. Yeah, uh, we both came out of a relatively conservative Christian tradition, uh, myself more so than Kat. But that, I think, is why seances were such an entry point, was because uh, while they certainly can look, um, they can look spooky, they can look Halloween-y, they can look, uh, you know, very dramatic, they can also, and generally are, just held in like church basements and stuff. And you're in the basement of your grandmother's house. Uh, I come from an Appalachian background. So my grandparents, great grandparents, they were doing stuff that looked like this, but just not calling it what we're calling it right here. And so it was a nice little insert uh, to kind of follow that, pull that thread without having to commit to being uh, an occultist or a magician of some type, which comes later. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I love the elegance of you guys. I've seen that in your advertising. Look how you're both dressed. Look at your background. That's rare. So how much do you go back to that, like, old, say, spiritualist mm. style? or And is that any part of how you do things? Or Yeah, yeah that, that question is good because uh, aesthetic is kind of a big thing in holding seances. Mm -hmm. And we appreciate the history of where things come from, but we also want to have our own modern in innovations on the classic takes. Yeah. And we do that in fashion and in our seances. Yeah, so it became a space where we said, um, we are not spiritualists, even though we have profound respect for the spiritualist mm -hmm. tradition. And there are some great spiritualist mediums and seance hosts working today. Mm -hmm. For us, we wanted to be that entry point for other people who were like us, uh, people who said, I, I'm interested in this, there's something happening. And I know you spoke to us prior to this about your audience, uh, which is people who are mostly new to witchcraft. 
And our audience was very similar because we were those people. So it was a kind of mutual grasping for, okay, what comes next? And seance for us evolved from being a spiritualist concept into a ritualist one uh, that we are meeting in a ritual. And so when you look to ritual, whether you're doing ceremonial magic or witchcraft, there is that aesthetic piece, uh, the capes, the wands, the crowns, the, uh, you know, the, the altar space. It serves a function uh, from a like a from a actual like theological or magical perspective, but it also serves the function of getting us into a space where things can happen. So the style piece has really evolved out of how can we meet people's frame of reference where they're at and then take them on a journey they didn't expect. That's beautiful. I knew I loved you guys. <laughs> so, so when you got, you do, so you would do public say people can come mm -hmm. to people from all backgrounds and things. Yes. Um, so how much fear, because again, I do these two slightly different, but more the same than most people. So mm -hmm. how do you deal with people's like, not expectations, but more than their, their fear coming in? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, both are important. And that's one of the first things we do after introducing ourselves to everyone is start talking. And Dan and I will tell some of our paranormal stories and open the floor for people to really uh, share what they've gone through. It's important for them, but it's also important for Dan and I to know what people are coming in it with, with their expectations or fears or worries and not really sure what we're going to be doing tonight. We really uh, use that time to dispel any fear and set expectations that this is going to be a positive exploration into the spirit world, that we're not going to do anything dangerous. We're not going to induce anything frightening or scary, and everyone's going to walk away safe and happy with their experience. Yeah. And I think that kind of pre-explanation, um, and then just as Kat said about meeting people with the story of, hey, here are our paranormal stories, but we always keep the floor open for a few people to share their own. Because I think, well, I know, <laughs> everybody uh, may not believe in ghosts, but everybody has a ghost story. Uh, yeah. And not everyone always gives credibility to their own stories. So mm -hmm. if we have some time to share that before the seance begins, it also lets people say, well, gee, maybe my paranormal experience isn't dumb or isn't weird or isn't too silly to be believed. Maybe I can engage with that for this next two hours and I'll be fine. I don't have to press it away from me all the time. Mm -hmm. That is beautiful. Um, so what are some of the interesting things, again, coming into your with a group of people you don't necessarily know? What are some of the more interesting things that have happened during seance for you guys? You must so, have stories. Everything. Every, yeah, it's all every, you know this, Patty, every single one is different. There's always unique things that stick out for each individual event. But I would say the one that comes up most frequently for me is one that challenged my own beliefs because getting into this work especially coming from the background that i kind of came out of you know there was a lot of there was a great deal of time spent kind of really interrogating experience and what does it mean when i experience this and so our work into magic kind of was formed by chaos magic which for you know most uh, individuals chaos magic has a theory behind it of everything's happening in your head so the gods are, are in your head, the entities, the spirits, it's all in your brain. And that's a really like powerful place to start working with magic. 
if you ever get to a, a level or a, a or a theory of like a spiritual paradigm, great, that's cool. But you don't need to get there to start. And so I had this view of seances as we're connecting with something. Maybe it's telepathic. Maybe these are like actual spirits. I kind of believe that myself. But when it came to physical manifestation, I never really believed it. I always thought that that's, you know, that's fraud. That's magicians. That's Harry Houdini. Uh, it's not really what happens in a seance. And as soon as you say something like that, doing any magical operation, any sort of witchcraft, uh, immediately the universe is like, you're dead wrong and I'm going to show you. <laughs> and so we were doing a seance in uh, the Westminster Burial Ground, which is where Edgar Allan Poe is buried in Baltimore. And we had access to the church's catacombs. Uh, the, the burial plot is currently owned by the University of Maryland. And so to get into it, we have a security guard who comes with us, meets us at the gates, brings ourselves and the group down into the catacombs because they're human remains there, like bones sticking out of the ground. Uh, so we sit on these wooden church pews in this catacomb underneath a church that's been decommissioned. And about halfway through the seance, stuff starts coming down from the ceiling. And we have all the lights off, so we have no idea. And it doesn't really cross my mind at the outset. My first thought is, we're in this like underground subterranean, like tamped earth cave. Uh, it's probably just loose dirt falling on us. Well, the lights come up at the end of the seance and everybody's in the pews just looking around, looking, dusting themselves off. And someone says it's glass. And we all go and look and it's red sea glass, like little pieces of like red glass about the size of a penny, worn down like it was in the ocean for, you know, years, like just real smooth, like sea glass covering the space where we were. Uh, it had to be apports, something that I never, ever believed in. I always thought apports, that's a load of malarkey. And it's actually something that like came and confronted me. Uh, there was no one else who was in there except our group, myself. We left and entered with a security guard. The security guard had no idea what we were talking about, had no idea like that anyone had left something or it was broken. It was a weird night. And so that's my most powerful like seance experience. It hasn't happened since, but that experience with something coming from a spiritual realm is like, wow, that is, that's wacky. Yeah, no, I, I, I want some sea glass. I have not had <laughs> that happen yet. And uh, yeah. So how dark are, are your seances? How, how, what do you go through levels of darkness or keep it dark? We've definitely explored that. Um, doing it publicly makes it kind of difficult to control light. <laughs> Most people like being in rooms where there are windows, <laughs> which is very understandable. And so it's hard to control light up, like go into a completely dark seance. We do love to incorporate red light and we have a red light lamp that we actually use at home. Mm -hmm. uh, in our own spirit room. <laughs> which we love. Um, and that we find works really well for kind of the end portion of the seance where we really allow the strange stuff to happen. Yeah, but we've had successful seances in the bright like afternoon light, just coming in like a general building uh, on stage sometimes, like if there's a large group of people. We generally like to keep our groups under 30. Uh, I don't think there's any reason why you can't go full spiritualist church and have a congregation of people. Yeah. But for me, I've always felt since my first seance experience was so intimate, that intimacy is part of it. 
the ability to know you're within a group of individuals who are having a similar experience and kind of get to know the group over the course of two to three hours, uh, that's, I think, very important to a successful seance. I, I agree. I, I, keep, I keep a seance one thing. If it gets bigger than that, I call it a mediumship gallery, not a seance. And it's yeah. different energetically and everything. It, it's mm -hmm. so that that I love that you guys do that too. Now, both of you, you're, you're a cultist. You're, I can tell that you're both gifted. Are you, do you, are you mediums? Are you both mediums? Do you translate? How does that work? Yeah. So we've actually, we're both currently involved in a study with the university of Maryland on uh, mediumship and clairaudience phenomenon. So that's very exciting. And that kind of tips the hand. Uh, Kat <laughs> and I both do experience some clairaudience, um, myself yeah, more than Kat. Me. Um, I'm mostly clairsentient, and all this was sussed out during seances. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, sometimes there have been like some things that obviously tip into the other clairs for sure. Yes. But we do consider ourselves to be mediums. It's a big part of our work. Um, but those those labels are so useful uh, for like articulating to lay people like what we do. Because uh, everyone has that idea that they've seen something on TV and I can match you to this. But we've found that working in the field, and this is our full-time job, like this is what we do, there's intense bleed over. Like, what does it mean to do occult work? Like, what does it mean to be a witch? These, these things kind of spill out into all aspects of our lives. Yeah, I think that's fabulous. So do you guys have... Um... I love that, again, that you guys, two of them, I'm kind of a lone po pony, though there'll mm -hmm. be, of course, gifted people coming to the seance. I'm like, let's share the light here. Sure. You guys have certain um, like things that you do, like you always do this and you always do that. Do you have certain openings yeah. and closings? And I just think it's so cute. Yeah. Yeah, it's exactly right. Um, I tend to gravitate towards automatic writing as like my... Um, first step into mediumship for the night and uh, then go into more like channeled messages and clairsentience, picking up on a wider variety of things. Mm -hmm. um, Dan, Dan, you just start to get things yes. uh, while I'm in that last portion. Yeah. Um, and then he'll share that clear audience stuff or Claire Gustant yeah. and smell things. There was that one time where I tasted something that was unique to a spirit that entered the space. And it was a spirit, uh, a loved one who they enjoyed a very particular type of food, a very specific food. And man, that was a weird experience because you're standing there. It was the first time it ever happened. And all of a sudden, just overwhelming taste of this thing, mm -hmm. but taste without texture. Like you didn't know what the texture of this was. It was just all the spices. So that was a very unique experience. But as far as the structure, I think one of the things we do that is really important for our groups and for us is again, bringing people into a space of you're doing this too. Like you are part of this. This is not just uh, to watch and there are incredible stage mediums out there um, who do stuff like for a whole group, uh, but we are not the ones who are only going to be receiving messages. It's very important for us that the individuals who come to the seance experience and receive things in their own space and in their own way. So we often start with an intuitive exercise that doesn't feature us. And we have our guests uh, come and uh, essentially intuitively provide tarot cards to gathered individuals 
and in the seance who they feel they need that message from the card. So it's a very like intuitive leading process for the individual who's giving out the card. And then Kat and I will provide a reading or we'll ask the individual who gave the card to provide a reading. It's amazing how, how frequently those things match perfectly, how the message is absolutely correct for the individual who's receiving it. And Kat and I can take a step back and it's not yeah. about us. It's about the group already. People just open up and you just need to give them a chance to show their intuitive powers or their yeah. psychic powers or mediumistic powers. And it just flows. It's yeah. amazing. I love it. And you're getting them out of their left brain, letting them trust that, that, that right intuitive brain that, that they're going to use to see and sense and smell or taste or whatever that is along the way. I love that you do that. Thank you. So um, you guys are back East. Oh, you said you're in the, the, the Baltimore area along mm -hmm. thing. So um, do you do workshops and things too like that? Do you, I know you do seance that people come to, but you had mentioned retreats in the thing and. Yes. Um, yeah. That's our so, most fun thing right now. <laughs> I mean, do you teach people, okay, now you're going to learn how to do this or is it a spiritual retreat to like, get to know yourself retreat? Is it, sure. It's more of a spiritual retreat than anything else. Um, it's not focused on education, but we do do magic together and we engage in ritual and ceremony. Mm -hmm. So not just seances, but we'll do um, sigil working and sigil is a, a glyph of your intention, which is fired by some means. At our last retreat, we, um, we drew sigils and then at an archery range, fired arrows at them. Yes, uh, so very embodied. Uh, the, the theory behind this is we get the embodiedness of doing instinctive archery. So shooting a bow and arrow without any sights on the bow. Yeah. Um, and so you have to observe the sigil, which is now on the target that you're shooting at, but engage the whole body in that, okay, I'm part of the bow, I'm part of the arrow, I'm sending the arrow here, and you can't, look directly at the sigil when you do this or else you'll miss and so you have to look kind of where you're aiming that isn't quite at the sigil but the sigil is right on that periphery and i found that to be such a powerful way to do sigil activations because we're not getting too lost in the focus of like on the on the squiggle we're we're more focusing on directing the energy but with a physical representation of it so that's kind of a window into how we run our retreats. That's, that's it's very one of our things. That is yeah. beautiful. And sigils, I mean, that is like the backbone of chaos magic. Uh, yes, is yes, working yes. with sigils, fair sigils, and along the way. But bow and arrow aspect, that could be fabulous. Da probably dangerous for me. I, I better stay with a different kind of charge. But wow, I love that. So you are very hands-on, active. They are going to go discover. Yeah. In our last okay. retreat, we held it at a castle in North Carolina, um, high on top of a mountain uh, that was above a uh, ex-Tiffany Jewelers mine that now is just a cave. And that was a great experience because we got to do take the group on this hike into the underworld where we did some rituals to bind uh, inner demons to these crystals, which uh, historically crystals were used uh, by some of the grimoire tradition to bind demons. It's one of their like forgotten uses. Mm -hmm. So we used that uh, cave space, but then the cave, because it was a semi-precious stone cave space, it was all quartz and um, mica. mica and rose quartz, just 
all up on the walls and the ceiling. And so our retreat attendees just got to, they're walking through this cave and you're hearing these crunching stones. And they looked down and they were like, wait, these are all crystals. And then they could take them with them if they wanted to. So we had witches going out with like armloads of crystals. Wow. That, yeah. So I like experiential, which a seance is experiential and your retreats are very experiential. It's not just sit there on your legs crossed off for two days. No, no. It was very much oriented around, yes, we're doing magic together as a group and that's important. There's also some integration time, but it was also very much built to be like a frame shift for manifestation work. So the castle is um, had furniture in it. Uh, in one of our guest bedrooms, there was furniture from the Windsor estate. Uh, so some very like beautiful old antique castle furnishings in this beautiful castle. Uh, wait staff that like prepared delicious food, um, amazing like Epicurean chef work, like phenomenal. And part of it was that for three days, we are now in a space of living in a castle and reveling in it, uh, really embodying some of that, like your inner power manifested outwardly space. And it, it had profound ramifications for the people who attended, Kat and I yes. included. <laughs> I want to go. <laughs> yeah, now, people, again, because I'm all very aesthetics and how you dress and all that too. Did the people, do they dress a wee bit for your thing? Do you tell them what to wear? Or are they sitting there in their sweats or what? Oh, well. <laughs> well, we did um, guide them. So yes. for the hiking portion, we were like, just wear whatever's comfortable. Yeah. And, um, it's but... a somewhat dangerous hike uh, if you're not careful. So. <laughs> Yes. And we had a, a guide for that who was uh, very helpful in recommending things. But we had a photographer coming. So we said dress up for that and, and for dinner and things like that. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the attendees, of course, ran with it. It was yeah. excellent. Uh, but for our final night, we do a ritual for immortality, a ritual of calling down the stars. And it is a seance that it has seance elements to it. Um, because there's something very cosmic about the seance. There's something very, uh, one of my favorite stories is mm -hmm. actually a true story. Uh, you can look yes. this up somewhere. But the uh, NASA, uh, the International, well, the International Space Agency, NASA, was formed after the, uh, basically the founder and a group of very interesting people, including a survivor from the Titanic and the inventor of the Bell helicopter, went to Maine and had a seance. And rather than a like departed loved one coming through, something that's identified itself as being more cosmic came through and said, hey, humanity needs to leave Earth. And this pinged a little piece of inspiration. And within literally two decades, people were walking on the moon. It's a very like, there's something very cosmic sometimes about the seance. There's something very transcending about it. So we do that final ritual with that incorporates the stars, and incorporates our work and the Gnostic mass for those of you who are big fans of, uh, you know, some Krollian <laughs> ceremonial work. Uh, it's, it's a powerful experience. Wow. So when you have seances, again, I keep mine positive too. We don't, you know, TV is that you always go to the serial killer's house and you go to, sure. you're channeling the mass murderer and things, but positive too. Um, have you had just this going into a whole other thing? Have you had, like star things come to one of your seances or things that are like, well, they're not ghosts. They're not elementals. They're not. 
So one of our uh, seance attendees did have an experience that was very much like they felt this is something very uh, unearthly. unearthly, very stellar. And it was interesting because uh, she was doing a lot of work. We knew her uh, from one of our like uh, online programs, uh, the School of Occult Arts, where we do a lot of teaching. And she uh, was very interested in angel magic and was having like a lot of like really interesting angelic experiences and there's like two schools of thought on angel magic you have like a very new age like fluffy kind of here are the angels and they love you so much a very kind of richard webster uh yeah. Dion, not Dion fortune it's the other one <laughs> what's her name uh, uh is it? yeah we know who you're talking about yeah exactly um, yeah. So there's that kind of angel magic. And then there's the angel magic that's much more like Enochian or very uh, grimoireic, where it's like, you know, the circles of 37 eyes and like 17 wings, very much like biblical looking angels. Yeah. Um, so she was doing a lot of that work and had an experience in the seance that presented itself very similarly to like that kind of like bigger cosmic thing that identified itself as like, angelic but also identified itself as being very like um, extraterrestrial in the broadest sense of that term like just literally not from this terrestrial space so we don't really explore that uh super deeply within seances when it happens because it is so jarring for some people who expect like spirits of loved ones it can also be a little disconcerting sometimes there's a reason why when angels show up is like scripturally, like if you're looking at the various different faith traditions, angels show up and the first thing they say is like, don't be afraid of me. Like there's something right. about that that's weird. Uh, so we don't tend to play it up or like engage with it as frequently as we might with something that feels more, again, in the, in the best sense of this term, that feels more human, that feels more approachable, that feels more known it's a better atmosphere than diving into uh, whatever the angels have to tell us. Right. Okay. I, I'm right in line with you guys. I, I don't want that to come. I've done a couple things. One of my old mentors, he's like a big, um, you know, Anunnaki, Nephilim mm -hmm. kind of thing. And he gave me some actually ancient words like Sumerian words and sigils and symbols and a lot of things. We had a whole other thing come, but I would never do that on a public seance. It was like professional, yeah. six professional people. And still it's like, huh, huh, you're yeah. not grandma. <laughs> no, there's a definitely a weirder energy and that can be fun to explore, but really with people who know what they're doing. Uh, yeah. There's a reason why when we look at the grimoires, they're so full of like, here's directly how you call this. Here's how you bind it to the space. I think that's important. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. So um, you have a school. That's what you said. That is awesome. So you teach, you do seances, you have retreats. So mm -hmm. how did you guys meet? Now you're a married couple. Were you already like together as a couple and then create this this beautiful world? Or did you? Yeah. Yeah. So we've been married for almost seven years and together for 11. Mm -hmm. And uh, we met the first day of college. Yes. Um, and by that point, we were very different people. Very different. Very much along this path, but in our in our own ways. I was a psychology student and interested in how we interface with the unknown and what are the mysteries about the human. And Dan was all interested in, well, everything really, but 
communication with everything. Yeah. And um, I was very much like paranormal as well. The paranormal was a big piece for me, even though I didn't know how to like apply it. So within my collegiate work, everyone's like, you need a real degree. You need a real job. And so I prepared to get a real job um, very poorly by deciding I would do academic pursuits. So I uh, got a major in rhetorical communication theory and then ultimately ended up pursuing and then leaving a master's program in the same rhetorical theory. However, one of the pros to that sort of work was that the class structure and requirements were not super difficult. So I was able to pack my schedule and my schedule was always packed with whatever interested me at that was being offered at like the collegiate level. So I took a lot of uh, world religions courses, um, a lot of uh, work in history, a lot of those like things that just appealed to me that then I could build out into what we're doing now without ever realizing that was where I was headed. I remember reading at the school library, they had the discovery of witchcraft, which was one of like the first um, books written on like debunking witchcraft. And I found it to be so interesting to like read that as a historical document. It was a, um, it, it spurned like, a, it started a whole interest into the expressions of religious traditions and shamanism and occultism. Yeah, it was your great. discovery. Yeah, it was my discovery, literally. <laughs> yeah, that's beautiful. And her psychology work as well, Kat. That no, means all of that. It sounds like divine bringing together, yes. so to speak. It's so interesting because you you don't all piece it together until you really look back at your life and see the narrative and the pathways you take. Mm -hmm. Um, because I was studying meditation and contemplative prayer and how that affects our uh, attention spans, which was my best attempt at studying what, you know, my school and many schools don't offer around parapsychology and attention and consciousness, things that fascinate us to no end. Yes. That is fabulous. So what do you guys think of, um, like... I think it's interesting. The the paranormal world, I mean, the ghost hunter is out there. There's mm -hmm. 900 shows. I even have a whole network that is all like paranormal mm -hmm. stuff. Very different than what you do, different what I do. Um, um, I have interesting thoughts why people go into that again, because they're seeking more, but they don't know what they're looking for. So what do you think of the whole never ending, ever growing world that people want some form of paranormal? Yeah, I'm excited by it. Um, certainly there are things I'd want to do differently or do better, in my opinion. Um, I often feel like in our area where we talk about a lot of um, desire to, to explore historic spaces and to do paranormal investigations in them, we've come up against a lot of pushback in that space from people who have, you know, worked with a YouTube ghost crew or somebody who has aspirations to do television one day who have destroyed the space or who have treated it improperly. And that's very unfortunate. Um, however, for a movement as a whole, I'm very excited by it. Uh, there's a, a growing, I mean, witch talk. Uh, we did a lecture on witch talk for a, um, the Ascension nice. Conference and the Witch talk is like the most viewed sub form of TikTok. It has endless amount of engagement and endless people like exploring their own spirituality there. So I'm excited yeah. about that for sure. I think we're always going to make some like missteps when we look back on our lives. Like 
exploring this work, sometimes biting off something a little too big, or sometimes like doing that whole exploration of, I just want to try everything before I settle into a path. But that's been part of the magical journey since people have been writing about it. So I think it's exciting. Right. I, I agree wholeheartedly. Plus it gives something outside this, this three-dimensional, yeah. this scary world that we live in to know mm -hmm. there's something more and magical, you mm -hmm. know, and whether it's witch talk or some goofy reality shows of which I do them, yeah. it gives yeah. people just a little light bulb that goes on. Wait, there's something more. So we, you know, it's like a backdoor into a whole other world, which it I think is. is great. And I mean, now, maybe you've seen this in your seances, but like when we started doing this, and it doesn't make sense because we didn't come from like a very witchy background when we started exploring the paranormal. But I expected when we started holding paranormal events and seances in particular, I expected that it would be people who were magically operant or who were into the occult or who were witches. But instead, I found most people who attend our seances uh, splitting pretty evenly down the line of uh, very much like STEM workers, like people who are uh, who are like machinists or are engineers, computer or like physical engineering. So very like materialist minded who are like just curious. absolutely curious if there is something beyond the, the ones and zeros. And then the other half was uh, people who come from like an evangelical background, which I didn't expect. I thought you shouldn't believe in this. Like you shouldn't be here. I know I came from where you were, but now um, very interested in it. So I think there's an underlying current that no matter your spiritual tradition or your, you know, the way you philosophically order your life, there is still something that is very bewitching about this work, this little undercurrent. Yep, I agree. And do you guys, because I think it is that the veil or whatever you choose to call it is getting thinner and thinner and thinner. Yeah. You, I mean, it's, it's like almost unignorable this parent what unexplainable to what was science though they are crashing together science mm -hmm. and spirituality with the quantum sciences but don't you think that more and more stuff is happening more and more stronger stuff during your seances and stuff oh i think so and even apart from that like just in the past week our town has had a new paranormal consulting you know case that's how we see them. Um, a UFO sighting, um, odd earthquakes, just yeah, things happening. And I've been trying to stay up on the latest research on how many people are experiencing paranormal phenomena. And it seems like it's been increasing and belief in them has been increasing, which of course, you know, we like as long as people are not <laughs> afraid or affected negatively, which yeah. we can, I believe, resolve. Yeah. Um, Jung had this excellent piece in one of the his journals where he was talking about the lead up to the first war, uh, the first world war. And in his explorations of the uh, subconscious or what he actually came to exploring through seances. I mean, Jung's work in the Red Book was inspired by seances. And he came away with this with this experience of talking with an entity that was either part of his brain or a spirit and Jung wasn't too sure which, and wrote that it felt like he was standing and the whole world was standing on top of a volcano. And he didn't mean that in like a end times kind of way, like, oh, the end is nigh. But there was that sense of kinetic of stored energy of like, there's something waiting to just kind of come out. We're all keyed up on it. We all know. And I feel very similarly today, like there is 
everyone's interested in this. There's a sense that our old archetypes, our old understandings of the world are passing away or at least are becoming diminished. And I think the pandemic really helped people with this idea of like, oh, what's important to me? What do I value in my life? Maybe I won't be here forever. And those questions, when you start pulling those threads, oftentimes they lead you here. Yep. Yep. Wholeheartedly. I think that was a big hit on the head. Like go to your room and figure out what's important for two years. You're we're grounded. We didn't wake up. So um, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, Well, you guys, I, I love you even more than I knew I would, but tell well, everybody you. before we go, how they can find you, how they can find, come to a seance, like your classes, your workshops, your retreats. Sure. Yes. Uh, well, you can go to our website at theacarts.com. And we also have a newsletter and podcast called Fromage Mystique. Yes. <laughs> which might be hard to spell because it is French. Um, but if you just look up the Eckhart's uh, Celebrity Occultists, you'll be able to find it. Yeah, we have it linked in our bio on Instagram. We are most active on Substack. Uh, if you can't tell, we enjoy really getting deep on these things. And Substack gives us the number of uh, characters that we need <laughs> to sometimes fully talk around what magic is and what spirits are and what they could be. Mm-hmm. So Substack is where you'll get most of our ideas. And again, that's Fromage Mystique, which is an occult uh, kind of nod in and of itself. Um, you can also, as Kat said, find us on the Eckharts.com. And as far as like upcoming events in December, we will be opening the doors to our next retreat, uh, which is for August. And it's at the same castle location. You can see pictures of that on our Instagram feed. But that's the big thing that's uh, coming up for us. That's beautiful. So you guys check them out, follow them, like them, go to their website, learn about this beautiful couple. So thank you for bringing your magic to the witching hour, you guys. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us.